Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Nailed it two weeks in a row now with the name change. I'm Matt Harmon and I'm joined by Rich Rebar today of Sharp Football Analysis. We're going to talk all things wide receiver. So, you know, I'm excited and I'm hoping that Rich is excited. But anyways, before we get into all that, Rich, how the hell are you doing, man? Doing real good. It's I'm I'm glad you reached out. You know, we haven't done a podcast in quite a few years together. And, you know, you know, just if you haven't heard, you know, me and Chad Scott are back together podcasting again. And uh, you know, on our show, pre-snap motion. Look, I already worked in an early plug too. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we we used to talk with with you about wide receivers on there. It was always our yearly thing, talking about prospects, and that's when kind of you and I became familiar with each other and kind of became like industry friends in a sense when it came to talking wide receivers. So when you reached out, I was real excited as kind of restoking some of those flames for me honestly it's kind of a bummer that chad is here uh i mean chad is not here no yeah let me rephrase that it's honestly kind of a bummer that chad is not here uh, i don't know how we're going to get like three devin funches plugs into today's show um probably won't be any since he's how is he doing by the way now that uh funches has opted out of the season I mean, he feels good. He feels good. It was just kind of like, you know, he didn't he didn't have to surrender this year. <laughs> Funches removed himself from the board. So Chad didn't have to be involved. You know, that is pretty noble of uh, Devin to do that. Yeah, because I could, I mean, there was definitely a moment where he would have had to hype some Funches uh, being in Green Bay there. But luckily, we get to be spared of all that. But anyways, Rich, let's dive right into it. Uh, let's talk. We're like I said, wide receivers today. All we're going to talk about. Uh, so I might have a lot of opinions. It's hard to say. But let's go sort of big picture strategy first. How are you approaching wide receiver this year? I know the common thought is, you know, you load up on running backs early this year because there's all of that wide receiver depth. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I mean, when you just look at, you know, historically or as it's trended the past decade, just wide receiver points for fantasy at the baseline levels have just been a lot more functional than running back points are, you know, as you if you use someone that used like a value-based drafting methodology, like anytime you get to a certain tier of wide receiver, whether it be wide receiver six, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 24, and compare that across to the running backs, it's just a significantly wider gap where running backs at the apex offer just such more of a high league advantage. So, I mean, compared to the running back position, like the running back six produces 70% of the top scores position over the past decade. And RB 12 was just 56.3%. We look at that at the wide receiver, it's 83% for the wide receiver six, 73% for the wide receiver 12. And that just completely staggers on throughout the position. And even if you go through standard formats, it's the same thing. Just baseline wide receiver points are more useful compared to the top scores of the position than they are the running back position. So that kind of is the lowest hanging branch of 
hey, if you want if you want to have some real league leverage at running back, you've got to pay and use that high draft capital at running back. So yeah, I'm on that board of you know old school. You know, I'm trying to get some bell cow running backs as soon as I can get them uh, because they dry up quick. And then you know the the running back posi- position compared to the wide receiver position also is the delta. Like I said, it's just it's really merged. And when people say the wide receiver position is deep. It, it it's true based on what I said, just that percentage of, you know, points that those lower baselines are occupying compared to running back. Um, and so, yeah, it makes it real hard to just go in at wide receiver and really chase running back the rest of the way. I know that some of our buddies are zero RB guys, but I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. To be honest with you, man, uh, we're in the apex league, uh, the draft together right now. It's a writer's league. A lot of heavy hitters. You're in there. I'm in there. Uh, so 11 heavy hitters. And then me, uh, Denny Carter's in there, Evan Silva, you know, the whole, the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a league where, you know, I took Derrick Henry six overall, didn't even love that pick number one. Uh, and then, you know, took a wide receiver and then a tight end. And then it's like you said, running back starts to dry up so quickly that now, you know, I've, I've, I love my wide receiver core. Don't get me wrong, but then I'm looking at, you know, Jordan Howard as like my third running back. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where you're not feeling too comfortable about that. Yeah, that draft is always a, a painful reminder of how awful we are to each other. Uh, you know, every yes. year. The a fun fact in that draft too, it does it's not really wide receivers, but Denny Carter hasn't even taken a quarterback in that draft since 2015, which is one of my favorite <laughs> you know stats about that league. Uh, because we draft so early in the offseason, you don't want to you know hand, you want to throw them darts. I remember a couple of years ago, I took one of James Conner with like one of my second last picks, and Le'Veon ended up holding out the whole season, and mm-hmm. I got like a free RB one the whole season just by not taking a kicker, defense, or quarterback. You know, towards towards the end of the drafts. Uh, but yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're not really reaching in the bag here and having to start, you know, Matt Breida or, you know, one of those guys. <laughs> well, yeah, now that uh, Kareem Hunt's my RB2, Jordan Howard's my uh, my RB3, we'll see how it happens. Uh, it's it's a fun league, though, if people, mm-hmm. I know JJ tweeted out, uh, JJ, who was on last week's podcast, tweeted out uh, a draft board of it right now. Maybe I'll post a link uh, once we put the show up. But anyways, check it out. It's very weird, very different than probably most traditional uh, home leagues. So don't go and like draft off our board there. Um, but one thing uh, I wanted to hit on specifically why I wanted to bring you on the show today, because you put out a really great article uh, on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, it's it's one of one of the best pieces I think I've read all offseason. It's about essentially – Target the, t- the title is target wide receivers based on their target value, not just the total targets uh, that they accumulate. And why I liked this so much is because you went in and essentially parsed out like a target is not a target is not a target. They're all they're, all of them have different values, which we kind of, I think, you know, sort of like just accept without really diving into what that means. But it's very similar to kind of my philosophy on the wide receiver position, which is that these guys don't play the position all the same way much and, and they definitely do not score fantasy points the same way. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain on that piece right off the top here. Yeah. I mean, I get it's, you, you get the conversation all the time because a lot of player, uh, you know, a lot of people do their tiers based on just kind of breaking points in their rankings, but I always do my tiers based on how players, you know, accrue their fantasy points and how they're used. And then, you know, basically the rankings of those individual players are based on, you know, the, the volume that those players receive. But if you can group your players based on how they're being used, that's how you can set yourself up for some, you know, arbitrage situations if we're projecting the volume wrong for some of these guys, you know. Listen, mm-hmm. I love Robert Woods. I love the fact that Robert Woods gets 140 targets. I definitely, that makes him very appealing to me. 
But, you know, there are a lot of players that get used in a similar capacity to Robert Woods, which is not being used downfield and not getting a high plethora of end zone targets. So if I'm wrong and Robert Woods getting 140 targets or he was to get injured or something, where is where can I accrue those points in a similar fashion? I can look, you know, maybe 10 picks on the board at a Tyler Boyd. I can go a little bit further down for a Jameson Crowder. Uh, you know, I can look at a guy like Sterling Shepard at the next yeah. point there. All those guys score their points based on the types of targets they get in a similar fashion. The only thing that separates those guys is overall volume. I used to talk about this um, on Twitter in a conversation. We were t- it was actually about Tyler Boyd and how he's just not one of my favorite players to own in fantasy because he lacks those kind of what I call the money targets in fantasy football, even though he had 147 targets last year, yeah. uh, which we could debate if that's rollover with A.J. Green or not. But when you look at the, his career types of targets, he is in the bottom five of the top five, 40 wide receivers in current ADP in every single statistical category and rate of targets on deep throws, rate of red zone targets, rate of targets inside the 10, rate of targets in the end zone. And just the way I laid those out, those are kind of how they stagger in points. A, a deep target, a throw, a target that's over 15 yards or further downfield is typically on average worth two full PPR fantasy points, a red zone target, 2.4 points, an inside the 10 target, 2.9 points, an end zone target, 3.7 points, and a none of the above, a short target outside of the red zone, just 1.4 full PPR points. So I kind of parsed that out in the article uh, and showed you the top 40 wide receivers in ADP career and compared to last year, you can kind of check and see like, well, these guys may not get comparable targets to some players, but this is the types of targets they are getting. And it can really kind of outline some variance and what you can see if volume changes for some of these guys you know like a guy like you are high on and i've always been on tyler lockett tyler lockett doesn't get a lot of targets compared to his peers at adp you know he's a guy that's probably going to top out maybe at 120 in a good year for seattle uh in terms (laughs) of targets but the types of targets he gets are just hyper rich you know in in fantasy fat you know those targets from russell wilson who's been in the top three in end zone pass attempts for quarterbacks the past three years lockett of those top 40 receivers he's 11th or higher in deep ball rate red zone rate and end zone target rate so i mean he's getting he's not getting a lot of targets he's not he's going to fall 30 targets below a guy like robert woods sure in your projections but the types of these targets he gets are he's able to cash in and overcome that that target gap because the targets he gets significantly hold a lot of fantasy weight compared to some of those other guys yeah and i love the way you broke down the woods uh to Boyd, to Shepard, I'm going to throw out Jameson Crowder, but you know, I mean, (laughs) that like that group right there, I think is perfect for the idea of the arbitrage because I'm, I'm with you. Like I like Robert Woods too, but I think I've drafted him exactly 0.0 times and have never really been tempted to draft him. Not because like you said, I think the, the, the baseline projection is really good, but there's just so many more affordable guys that that have a similar outlook and i think the the what's so great about the what, this way of thinking about it is that it allows for the influence of chaos because we know that that is mm-hmm. the one constant theme of the nfl like <laughs> of course robert woods is slated to get a ton of targets sure and tyler boyd probably is going to see his his target value drop off and and sterling shepherd plays in a crowded offense but you know it's all about the what if right like what if something happens to AJ Green again. What if T Higgins is slow to come on? Boyd could potentially out-target Robert Woods with a similar type of target workload. Same thing with Sterling Shepard, who is personally, you know, one of my guys, one of my favorite the, my favorite pick in that Giants passing offense right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if something happens to Golden Tate? What or he just falls off cuz he's he's getting up there. You know, what if Darius Slayton was a flash in the pan? Then Sterling Shepard who scores his points in a similar way starts to get that overall target volume 
that Robert Woods does, you know, like three, four, five, seven rounds later, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just kind of what it, what it is when you bracket these guys off and how I'd like to do my tiering, because it really opens you up to say like, yeah, you know, what, hey, I, I've been hyping Robert Woods up too. I like him. But yeah, I'm looking at the board and my, my choices now are I'm wanting, oh, I want to go receiver here. I'm looking at Robert Woods. AJ Brown's still on the board. He's not going to get as many targets to him or a guy like Tyler Lockett. But all right, so I know I can make up a Robert Woods type later. So maybe I'll bat, bypass on him and take one of these other guys at that point. And that's just kind of how you use your tier structure that fraction in the middle uh, you know while you're in the process of your draft uh, i'd be curious to get your take one guy I left purposely out of that group when i was doing the arbitrage kind of angle is there's a guy that has been used just like those guys through two years in the nfl that you know the industry is high and i'm high on myself especially from a dynasty stance and that is dj moore from your hometown hmm. panthers uh <laughs> you know i don't know if you still claim the panthers but so far through two years of his career, DJ Moore has been a guy that has not been used downfield and has not been used near the end zone. Now we've got a new system, Joe Brady, Matt Rule. There's a chance that they, they can not use him in a different fashion in year three. So I'm curious to hear your take on, uh, you know, if you believe that that's something that happened. I know that you've charted this guy, so I want you to know, can he win downfield for us and can he win in the end zone? I think he can win in the end zone because I think he's already – one of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. He was, I think in his, in year one, he established himself already as one of the best yards after catch receivers. And mm -hmm. then in year two, I thought he was great at the catch point. And I mean, he was, he was such a perfect fit for the, the type of quarterback that the Carolina ended up dealing with last year, which was Kyle <laughs> Allen, who is uh, you know, a joke. Um, DJ Moore ran a slant, a dig or a screen on 48% of his charted routes and reception perception last year. You know, those are those layup patterns. Great for a bad quarterback. And again, he, he was great where my guy, Curtis Samuel was not good last year. It was on those contested passes. I think he has that in his, you know, portfolio because he was really good at that in 2018, but Whereas he was really bad in those situations, Moore was excellent in those situations. So I think he can win that way. And I kind of tend to put a little bit of a pause whether he's ever going to be a great downfield receiver. Because right now, what we've seen so far through two years is he's not an ideal separator. Um, I think he made great strides from year one to year two. Uh, he, he bumped his success rate versus press up almost 15 points, which is a, a huge jump. You usually don't see players do that in reception perception. But I think more I'm, – I'm very much like open to anything happening with him as a developmental player because he's taken so many good positive steps from his rookie season to his second season that if he sees another jump because he's such a young player – I think he could develop into something like that, but I, I would say that he's probably only ever going to be like used as more of an intermediate and short player. Beautiful. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, I, I but I do think he fits into that group. But I think he probably, I do think he can be better than all of those players that we just talked about, and like by a significant gap. Um, is there any since since you asked me about a guy, I'm gonna throw it back <laughs> around on you. Is there anyone after putting the, this article together and kind of breaking out tears this way? Was there anyone that you maybe changed your opinion on positively or negatively? Well, I think it just, you know, uh, you know, I, I started just like find some guys that I was kind of in the fence around. But I think like Hollywood Brown, uh, seeing him, he kind of looks like a almost an, he looks subjectively a lot like Tyler Lockett. And I don't know if oh, yes. perception he shows out like that. But in the same the way he was used 
is in a Tyler Lockett fashion. When you think about the system he's in, he's also a guy not going to run into 125 targets. Just not, mm-hmm. probably not, not going to happen. happen. Not in the Baltimore yep. system. But you know, if he's using the same capacity that he was a year ago, there's a lot more upside there. We know he's going to run more routes than he was last year when he had that screw in his foot. And you know, he ran 66 routes in that playoff game, which was more than his last like eight games combined over the regular season. Yeah. But he was 17th in deep ball rate. Um, he was just behind uh, Ty- Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs last year in points per uh, target generated off those deep targets. Uh, he had really high ends. He was used in the end zone a lot, uh, which which is what we really like. So he looks like if I miss out on Tyler Lockett, like I'm I'm willing to reach ahead for him. But Tyler Lockett is a guy I'm just uh, you know taking higher than the the, the board is right now uh, in these drafts. I think he's supremely undervalued. Uh, I think from a negative stance, um, I came out a little bit, and he's a guy I've kind of waffled on. I, I get one foot in and one foot out on him. I mean, so regularly is Amari Cooper. Yeah. Uh, he was 13th. Uh, he's the 13th wide off off the board in ADP, but he was 19th or lower in every single category out of these top 40 receivers a year ago. We know he way overshot his red zone production last year. Um, he scored 44 uh, red zone fantasy points as he was ex- expected total was just 18 points. He was at the second highest largest discrepancy in his favor. And this was a guy that struggled in the red zone up until this point in his career either uh, until last year. Uh I'm, I'm curious to see what this addition of C.D. Lamb does for Amari Cooper, because when Amari Cooper has struggled the most is when he's got he's had to face these physical corners and he's got he's had to go up against a lot of press man coverage. Uh, when you look at last year, you just you just congeal all his games against Marshawn Lattimore, Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore, Darius Slay. I mean, he was completely erased in those games. Um, and now if you, 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 you remove a guy like Randall Cobb off the board, who could only play one position in your offense. He is your slot receiver. Now you've got three guys that can move around and have some versatility to him. Amari Cooper's not going to play 60% of his routes in the slot, but if he can get to from 18%, to 25 to 30%, that's going to, you know, offer a lot more for a ceiling and put him in some right situations when the Dallas faces some of these tougher cornerbacks. They just added Darius Slay to their division, uh, yeah, a guy right. who kind of nuked him last year. So, I mean, he's a guy that, that the types of targets he gets don't really match up with his ADP, and, you know, there's some volatility in his game. But I am curious to see, like I said, the addition of C.D. Lamb maybe unlocks some unlocked usage and getting him in, in the right types of uh you know, sets and away from some of these press man coverage uh, as a little bit more. And he won't fully use the slot, but I'm curious to see what it does for him. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you bring up all of these players because, again, to to bring it back to the Apex League that we're that we're drafting him right now. I took Tyler Lockett in the fourth round. Really wanted to come back in the fifth round and, and hit that double hammer with Marquise Brown. But Graham Barfield took him one pick ahead of me. So I went and took Michael Gallup. And I, I love the points that you bring up about Amari Cooper because, I mean... I just I think I've said it on the show before. I've definitely said it in other places. Um I think he's the most overrated route runner in the NFL. Uh I think like you see those clips that people put out of him you know dusting people here and there. Great. But that doesn't happen consistently. As you mentioned, he's really not a great separator against press man coverage. His scores and reception perception have consistently gone down throughout his career. I do think he can be a really good player on the interior, but I think the opportunity between him and Michael Gallup is going to be pretty close, just like it was close last year. You know, mm-hmm. Gallup had a higher percent of the team targets and air yards in the games that he played last year. So I think it's, <laughs> I, ju- I just have, I've 
been completely shying away from Cooper. I want to draft a lot of Gallup at his cost, and I want to take a lot of Marquise Brown where he's going. So I'm glad we're pretty much in lockstep here so far. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got a good marriage going here. But I mean, this is what we used to do on the show. So I mean, we've we've cursed a few players in the day, like uh, Devin yeah, Smith. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, hopefully. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Devin Smith. The, I mean, he's still hey, he's still on the Cowboys, man. <laughs> Remember, he had like a couple of big plays to start last year, and I was kind of thinking it was going to happen again, and it did not happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, him for him to still be in the league after what happened to him is is a testament. Yeah, I'll take that's, that. We can run a victory lap on that one right there. Um, let's break into the guys that are kind of in the first tier right now. According to Fantasy Pros, uh, half PPR, which is, of course, the Yahoo default, that first tier is Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Chris Godwin. Um, I would personally kind of break that into a few different tiers there. Um, but let's just riff on these guys here. Um, any Anybody in here stand out that you think is kind of going too high or, or you wouldn't have in this group? Uh, I think out of this group, the two guys that give me the most pause are probably, you know, Hopkins, just the change of environment, you know, the, the continuity factor coming into this, uh, this COVID offseason. There are there's not a great sample of elite wideouts changing teams, uh, but for history, the the. Because you know, guys in these their apex in the NFL period don't typically change. They teams. don't. Yep. Like yep. good play, like elite players don't. Uh, you, you think well, about guys Antonio are, Brown changed teams last year, and we know yeah, that one. <laughs> when you think about guys that become free agents, it's typically under special circumstances, like you said, Antonio Brown. But typically, it's these guys that are like the Mike Wallaces or the Randall Cobbs or like you know the guys like yeah. this. It's it typically guys don't don't hit free agency while they're just in like the prime throw of their career it's typically or it's via trade like odell where like he runs himself out of a situation so over the past 10 years we've had 34 different receivers amongst the top 36 in adp uh and of that same group uh 10 of those guys have had wide receiver one adp but just 12 have scored more fantasy points per game than they did the season prior with their new teams so it's you know it, in last year we had odell and antonio brown whatever you're gonna say but do you look at deandre hopkins and one guy that overcame this you know historically was Brandon Marshall. And, you know, Hopkins wins in a lot of ways that Marshall does, and he actually has, has better hands than Marshall. Uh, Marshall would, would be prone to put some balls down. But, um, you know, Hopkins wins with, with his body, like kind of like Brandon Marshall did. So, And then you look at his career, and he's, this guy caught passes from Tom Savage and was good. He caught passes from Brock Osweiler and was good for fantasy. Like, he's actually playing with another real good quarterback, and he's in the most wide receiver-centric offense in the NFL. So, I mean, I have all like these pulling factors where I know that he's one of the elite commodities at wide receiver, but, you know, he's, you know, the, we have this weird offseason, him changing teams. Uh, I also don't think that the offense that the Cardinals ran last year really played into Kyler Murray's strengths. He was yep. first in the NFL in passes behind the line of scrimmage, which makes no sense. I know that that's part <laughs> of the system, but, and part of the part of it was the receivers they had. That's why they went out and got a guy like Hopkins. But, you know, there's a lot of unknown, I think, where he goes in the second round. And then, you know, Godwin as well, just because there's going to be such a culture shift with the Tampa Bay offense, even though we know they're still going to run the same system, they're probably going to run a lot more 12 personnel than I think anyone really wants to kind of, you know, admit or adhere to based on their wide receiver depth and them adding Gronk. Uh, Godwin was another guy that was just, a he, he got so many points in the slot. And now if they're going to play a little more 12, you have that like a little bit of a Cooper Cup factor, even though he's not Cooper Cup, uh, where he's got to win more versus man and his, you know, yards per out run were significantly different versus man and, you know, versus zone coverage where he's getting those free releases. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we could see Tampa Bay. Their, their defense is actually pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. They could play in some more slugfest like they did at the start of last year as well. There could be just a significant value drop for those guys. Uh, so those are two guys that in that tier – 
when I'm shopping, I'm, those are two guys I'm a little more cautious on. But I mean, those guys are up there for a reason because they're really good football players. But those are two guys that uh, I've can kind of not been getting a lot of on my rosters. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think that there's a a pretty realistic situation where we could look back at the de- like devaluing Hopkins because I've moved him down my rankings, whatever. And we could look back at that and just be like, we overthought this because it's DeAndre right. Hopkins. He's playing with another <laughs> great quarterback. He's one of the elite receivers in the NFL. I do. I love your point about the fact that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think there's a lot of utility to comparing a player like DeAndre Hopkins to Vincent Jackson or yeah. Alshon Jeffrey <laughs> or Mike Wallace, all these guys that are, are fine players, but not DeAndre Hopkins when it comes to changing teams. And the two guys that I think that are near his elite level talent or at his elite level talent that have changed teams recently, Odell and Antonio Brown, like I said, jokingly, but but in a serious situation, like these two guys, it's it, it just so much went wrong last year. I don't know if it's really worth comparing to. So I haven't really mm-hmm. drafted much of Hopkins either, but I think we could look back at that and just be like, we overthought it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with I'm with you there. And I think the point that you made about the fact that he's played with all these goofball quarterbacks before <laughs> is a good one. I said, I think I've said this on the show before too, but I sat down with him back in, in the before times uh, right around the Super Bowl, and talked about like, why are you so good at, at being able to work with all these different quarterbacks? And you know, he put it to me like, it's really just like becoming their best friend, you know, getting like as soon as you get there, like during the week of practice, because that's what he's had to do with a lot of these guys is get familiar with them on the fly. And he's picked that up. So I think he could pick that up with Kyler Murray in a weird offseason. But you're really betting on a lot going right in order for him to pay back that that draft cost. Now, I'll run this by you since we're talking this, about this tier of players here. I have Allen Robinson as wide receiver five. Uh, I took him in the second round uh, in the Apex League, uh, you know, which is ahead of where he's going, whatever. Um, how stupid is that? I don't think so at all. I mean, there, there's obviously going to be this, you know, unknown with the Chicago quarterback situation. But in that same article that you led with, uh, that I laid out the top 40 wide receivers in ADP, Allen Robinson was the only player that was the top 15 in every single category uh, in targets per game, you know, rate of targets in the end zone, red zone, uh, inside the 10, and then deep targets as well. He was the only mm-hmm. player out of all 40 wide receivers of top 15 in every every category uh chicago's got our seventh most favorable schedule too in the passing game you know for a sharp football stats uh so i mean that bodes well for him as well there's not much competition it's him anthony miller Tariq cohen really is where the the targets go in that offense it really isn't going to change so i mean he's locked in for target value and um like i said i, I think the transition for nick Foles will be if, if if nick Foles does ever take over uh maybe he starts maybe he doesn't i don't know if this offseason kind of threw that a wrench in anything uh we'll have to yeah. wait and see who actually starts the Bears or what they say come August 17th when the these guys are actually practicing in pads and some, <laughs> someone reports, hey, hey, this guy quarterback is out there with the first team. That's when we'll start to get some of this England and stuff. But Foles is actually pretty interesting. So I brought this up on our podcast in, you know, career quarterbacks that rely on the deep on don't. Uh, Nick Foles' average length of touchdown pass is actually second to only Patrick Mahomes for all quarterbacks in their career. And Mitchell Trubisky oh, wow. is the complete, complete opposite. Yeah. Um, and, and even last year, we only had a small sample of Foles, but uh, his touchdowns were all outside the revs and they were 35, 33, 20 yards. Uh, he's a guy that is willing to put the ball down, down the field more than Mitch is. Uh, so, you know, Robinson, we can get some more deep targets back into Robinson's game uh, as well. You know, if a, if a guy like Foles takes over and maybe gives him a little bit more of that, you know, Jaguars-esh type, uh, you know, usage that he had. Because, you know, he, Matt Nagy's done a really good job of 
throughout the struggles of Mitchell Trubisky, finding ways to get Allen Robinson open. They've, you know, they've really moved him around a lot more than he did at Jacksonville. And they've really tried to say, well, this is our guy we want to funnel the passing game to. And they did it in the back half of 2018 as well. It's just that that whole season was kind of lost for him with that injury in midseason. So a lot of people didn't notice. Uh, But they move him around a lot and they get him in advantageous spots and they throw to him in the end zone. So, I mean, I have no problem with that because the targets are going to be there. The types of targets that he gets are good. The only thing is, is you're hoping that the quarterback play, you know, kind of matches him. And and he's another one of those guys that has thrived without it yet. So, you know, dating back to college when he had Hackenberg. Right. Like I'm definitely (laughs) ranking him. Yes. Good guy. I'm, I'm ranking him at his ceiling for sure. Uh, by having him at wide receiver five, by taking him as the sixth or whatever guy I did off the board there uh, in the second round of the Apex League. But it's like you said, I think we saw the floor last year from from a fantasy perspective. And by the way, in reception perception, he was number one in success rate versus man coverage last year among all guys charted in 2019. So I think he was one of the best receivers in the NFL last year, produces that type of stat line. I think the volume is probably going to roll right over because, as you mentioned, it's pretty much Anthony Miller and then, you know, a bunch of dust there in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I, I and, and Foles, whether he gets in there or not, is just like an access to another ceiling simply because of that deep ball that you mentioned. So Robinson could do it all. I, I'm ranking him as a ceiling and I'm happy to take him aggressively this year because I think he's I think he's like you said, he's a perfect, perfect balance of a guy with a great ceiling and a pretty safe floor. Um, let's move on outside of this tier. Now that you validated me, which is really the only reason that you're here. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of your draft targets, some of the guys, you know, whether it's early rounds, mid rounds, late rounds that you're particularly tempted on whenever they get uh, around your range. Uh, Adam Thielen, start with Adam Thielen, just every, every draft I try to come out with him typically in a general population draft or even the FFPC drafts, which I've been doing some of the football guys, you know, uh, tournaments, I, he usually goes in the fourth round. He's like an auto pick for me in the fourth round and our draft that we're in now, I know in these industry drafts, I'm at the front of the third round. He has no shot of making it back in that late yep. fourth round. So I'm willing to reach on because I have him as a top 10 receiver, uh, you know, this year. And, you know, a lot of people think of Adam Thielen and they think just like, all right, well, he's going to get the target volume in terms of team target share. Uh, but a lot of people think of that and maybe think of him as like a Julian Edelman type esque player, but he's not. He's a guy that w- can win down. He did, can win in the slot, but they add Justin Jefferson, who's going to let him run a lot more of those routes that Stephon Diggs ran last year uh, in that offense. And he's going to, he's a guy that also has won downfield already. He averages almost 14 yards per catch for his career. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that can, can really win in a lot of ways. He gets targets in the end zone, like we talked about. He, he kind of just is used in the full capacity of, what we want a wide receiver to use that. And there's really a lot of unknowns on his depth chart. Uh, I, I mean, I like Irv Smith. I think he can make a step forward. We've got a rookie in Justin Jefferson. The rest of those guys, I mean, LBC Johnson, KJ Osborne, Alexander Hollins, Braylon Anderson, I, Dylan Mitchell. I, these guys, these guys aren't going to get targets over at Dylan. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, and then you look at the Vikings in totality and they're a team that is probably due for a lot more passing, you know, regression to the mean in terms of league average than where they were last year. Uh, this is a team, they were just the 14th team since 2011 to throw, to run fewer than 500 passing plays of those 12 other teams. The 2019 Ravens are also in this mix. Um, 11 of those 12 teams increased their pass attempts to next year with an average of 65.3 per team. So the Vikings definitely are not going to jump to a 600 pass attempt team, but if you get two more games worth of passing volume onto what they had last year, that gives him a lot more targets than even what a guy like Stefan Diggs had last year and gets you know, feeling into like the 120 range and then the types of range, uh, targets that he gets are the types of targets we want. So, I mean, he's kind of where I start. He's one of the guys I like really earmark 
to get. I love get him in the fourth round as a gift. It's like my wide receiver too, but I'm not hesitant in like a, an aggressive league that it's going to value wide receivers reaching on him early. Uh, so that's kind of where I start is with Adam Thielen. I love that. And it's it's great that you bring back the point that he's not just some bunny hop slot receiver, because I remember going back to when the Vikings decided, like, remember when Stefan Diggs was sort of that slot receiver? Mm-hmm. I think it was in like the first year of Sam Bradford or whatever. Yeah. And then they moved him to the outside and put Thielen in the slot. And I remember fantasy Twitter, like losing their shit over this, right? Because it was like, Diggs is moving outside. Can he play outside? And, you know, I kept saying interception perception. You see that this guy's an elite separator, blah, 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 blah. It'll be fine. But the thing that was really cool about that move was that they did put Thielen inside because I always thought Thielen in his first year as an outside receiver looked a lot like Alshon Jeffrey. Like he could be that big contested catch receiver that won downfield. And then you take that and put it in the slot like you said you're getting all those free releases you're getting so much more layup looks and then when you do rip downfield you're going to see those looks against zone coverage you're going to sometimes be lined up against a safety or a linebacker so i think that Thielen, whether he's inside whether he's outside he's going to get elite usage this year and i i've kind of gone back and forth if I want to have him at wide receiver 10 spot, but I do, I think I'm going to end up settling with him there. Cause it's really easy. Like I did my Vikings projections or tweaked them again today. And it's just so easy to get him to like from a baseline perspective, 120 targets. But I think there's a ceiling there for more than that. Yeah. And then you said you have the, the chaos factor. If like the Vikings were to really go off the rails, uh, you know, where, where does his targets go then? You know, the, yeah. cause that's kind of like that. A lot of people holding back on him are just like, well, it's the Vikings and they're not going to throw that much. And even with that increase, like I said, they're not going to be probably the top half of pass attempts in turn league no, either. Yeah. But, you know, they lost a lot of defensive pieces. They've got some continuity changes too. I mean, if the, if the Vikings really tank this year and it goes way off the rails, I mean, he's another one of those guys that could really benefit, uh, just because of what is surrounding him yeah that makes total sense what about guys um maybe that at their current adp that you're kind of staying away from uh, i think we kind of hit upon uh you know like uh you know amari we talked about you know the uh, the top guys um I'm trying to think of, like who's in like that next tier of guys it kind of just goes to basically the kind of what i'm how we said i'm tiering guys and if i feel like i can get a player like that later you know, that's kind of what, how I always feel about guys. Like, uh, can I get this type later? Because, I mean, I'm I'm on the fence still on A.J. Brown. I kind of look at the way he won last year, and it was, like, all on, like, you know, digs and slants, clearing yeah. off play action. You know, they were really set up for him. You know, you Derrick Henry sucks in the defense, then he's all of a sudden he's catching a slant and ripping it for 40 yards. Uh, or that deep dig. I mean, how many how many deep digs did he catch last year? You would know, but, uh, uh, you know, but, you know. <laughs> those are his two, those are the, yeah, that was a route that he absolutely crushed on. But when you look at A.J. Brown and you think about his range of outcomes as a player and, I guess I, I could have brought, asked you this question, too, because I've been asking a lot of people this on a lot of shows is, is are we in an era where the alpha wide receiver one is a dying breed anyways? Because uh, he's one of these guys that fits that archetype, like of one of these big monsters. He can win downfield. He can win after the catch. He can he at college. He played in the slot. They didn't even use him there last year, but he already know, shown yeah. he can win there. Uh, you know, he's got, a, got one of those guys that has that full arsenal. Um, and he's, you know, he's got that size factor um, because, you know, you look at DK, he's a big guy like that too, but he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the arsenal that AJ mm-hmm. Brown has. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I, I look at this lack of, you know, pure 
you know, built in a lab wide receivers that we would make, you know, that we were, we were probably spoiled with for an era there, you know, up oh, through yeah. the 2014 season. And we've had like it tail off and the running back position did the same thing. If you remember when ZRB became like in its heightened state, it's when the running back changeover happened when there just wasn't an influx of good running back talent and the older producers at the position all fell off and we had that gap. That's kind of what we're starting to see at wide receiver. Uh, you know, we, we, we had the AJ Greens and the Julio Joneses uh, kind of meet this, you know, their AJ pecs. Hopkins, you know, is, is kind of approaching that as well. And then this next rollover of guys aren't that type of guy. We, we lost that type yeah. of guy and we, they weren't coming into the league. When you look at the top wide receivers that have been taken, you know, the past five, six years in drafts, there are the Amari Coopers, the Corey Davises, uh, the Will Fullers, like the, you know, the John Rosses, like we're not getting that type of receiver that that built in a lab type receiver coming in the league but aj brown is one of those guys yeah, he's that guy and, right yeah so i kind of like go back and forth on him he's not a guy i always take like i because he goes in a, a palatable spot in drafts but uh you know uh because I, I look at the way and i wonder how much change this titans team can have but they're another team with that you bring up the chaos factor uh, if they're not able to operate in the capacity they did when they ran just ultra hot the back half of the year, and no team ran as pure as the Tennessee Titans the past over the final nine weeks of last year, no team did. Yeah, uh, just so, I mean, if they're, if they're unable to do that, then that obviously helps a guy like AJ Brown. I would love to just see a little more like you know eight yard hitches for him, like let him get some bunnies. Uh, but uh, he has that ceiling that a lot of these guys don't have that we talk about that kind of go in his you know uh, area of the draft. Yeah, it's kind of like what I said with Hopkins earlier. I get every – but this one I've, I've settled my opinion on. Whereas like Hopkins, I kind of go back and forth. Um, with A.J. Brown, it's like I get it. Like there's not a ton of volume in Tennessee. Like you said, theoretically, um, you know, there's – there's there's he, he has a lot of statistics that are bound to regress back to some sort of mean. But I think he's just too good. Like I think the player is – I think the player is too good not to command more volume, not to evolve his – usage uh because like he is that sort of there's no limits to what he can't do you know and, and i think the, the fact that you brought up he was a slot receiver sort of like a, people were comparing him to juju smith schuster coming out right. uh, uh, of college but i mean no way like he wasn't used like juju at all at the nfl level you know Br brown is out there as a rookie winning against press man coverage playing as an alpha x receiver and that like you said is very unique at this point so I i've tended to just say look i'm gonna just I, I'm going to accept the fact that there's a lot of things that, you know, maybe are warning signs, but I think the player is too good to not take that next step and just become too good to out to not outkick those expectations. Um, let's go uh, for kind of some sleepers, later value guys that you like ahead of consensus. Uh, so when we get back, like you're talking like wide receivers, say like out of the starting range, like outside of yes. wide receiver 48. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at kind of like a, Look at, I think when you're looking at these guys, I'm trying to pull up like kind of where I have these guys just to make sure I give you an accurate list. So, like outside of starting range, uh, the, some guys that stick out Anthony Miller, uh, oh, yes. just be, and so Anthony Miller sticks out just because I said the Bears, like they have that that hyper schedule, hyper aggressive schedule. Uh, if the offense actually works again, you know, there's there's hidden upside there. He goes way outside the starting uh, wide receiver range. Uh, he was a guy that that got end zone targets his first year with Matt Nagy. Then that kind of oscillated back. But, you know, that he's another guy they move around a little bit. So I like taking a shot at him where he goes. He's late. Um 
I, I like Mike Williams just based from a fantasy sense of the types of targets he gets. Like if something were to happen to Keenan Allen, he is a guy that would make a significant jump because you look at this, another depth chart of, you know, Joe Reed, KJ Hill, uh, they just cut Andre Patton. I don't even like who the rest of these charges are. Who the hell are I, these guys? Yeah. Uh, so if something were to happen to Keenan Allen, you're not going to look because he hasn't got hurt, you know, in four years. Uh, hmm. But like he, Mike Williams are the types of targets he gets downfield money targets. Like if he was somehow to get to like the 110 target range. He would have like a Kenny Galladay factor in his range of outcomes, like Kenny Galladay had last year. So is he my favorite wide receiver? Does he have shortcomings? Yes. Does the but like where he goes? Like I'm oh, only wow. caring about what he gets. Um, I like taking uh, shots on Josh Reynolds a lot uh, because he's like a forgotten man. But you know, a lot of people are talking about the 12 personnel and the Rams thing last year. But so anytime the Rams trailed from Week 11 on last year. Uh, they were at, they went right back to 11 personnel 85% of the time at any point they trailed. And you look at their, their you look at their schedule, they have seven of their first opening 11 games are against teams that have, have higher forecasted wins on our site at Sharper Ball Stats. Uh, so if they're trailing and the game script's not in their favor, what, are, what does Sean McVay show Artie Tipsy is going to do? He's going to right back to 11. Josh Reynolds led the team in end zone targets two years ago. Uh, I feel like he's just really forgotten it, like the wide receiver 70 costs. Like, and if you're wrong, like you can just release him. If the team does stay and like they're able to stay in 12, you just let him go. But if they are forced to play a lot more 11, he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, because that's what that offense does. You know, they they, can, they they have a tendency to live in 11, and if they're going to trail that way, he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, I love Deshaun Jackson, too. Even if you only have five weeks of him, I just feel like he's going to hit the ground running because it's going to take Regor, you know, probably a little bit to get acclimated, uh, you know, especially given this offseason. And I think Regor is the long play burn. But uh, DJX also, if Regor was initially said they were just he was going to play behind DJX and learn like the Z. But now they've kind of come off come off that and realized that like, hey, our other series probably aren't that good. Yeah, they we, suck. We go and make sure this, <laughs> this guy needs to play. But that allows more versatility for DJX because you look at when he came out of the, the gates last year and was so on fire with Wentz. I mean, they were moving him around like the T.Y. Hilton role. I mean, both of his touchdowns came off of the slot. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about the slot and we say slot. We dropped these. They're even sort of doing that in Tampa Bay too. When he first like got yeah. there with like Ryan Fitzpatrick in those early uh, early years in like a 2018 or whatever. But people confound you know we bring up slot stats and how people are using the slots. But like a slot guy like Cooper Cup is used differently than a slot guy like when Ty Hilton gets a lot of slot snaps or you know you get these guys in the free releases and they can run you know these deep crossers and, and you know stuff like that. That's how you get these big plays like a DJX does. So I mean I, I think like we're just where he goes like wide receiver 50 plus like even if you get a few hot games of him like. If you get to start him one game and he hits, it's probably worth it at that cost because no one can hit there. Um, and then, yeah, we're just like we're really grasping at guys at the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the way out. But uh, you, know, you take shots at Lazard if you believe the shower narrative and this everything that Rogers keeps putting out. Preston Williams is kind of interesting, but I'm worried about like the inevitable quarterback change yeah. uh, just because right, the Fitzpatrick war rig is like an actual fantasy thing like he's a fantasy juggernaut like yeah. he give he lets his guys win like there's a reason Devonte parker broke out with a style of quarterback ryan fitzpatrick is like it, does it, that make it you even, a little bit nervous it makes me a little bit nervous when yes. i'm looking at parker because yes like <laughs> you could look at it in uh reception perception that he mostly had a, i think he was one of the top three guys that charted last year in percentage of contested targets he won a lot of those but and I think even in the next gen stats, they put out like he was the leader in terms of receptions or yards or whatever on tight window throws, less than a yard mm-hmm. of separation. He's still not a good separator, not a good route runner. But if he goes from Fitzpatrick to Tua, who I think is more of well, everybody's more cautious than Fitzpatrick. But but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, that worries me a little bit for when that does yep. inevitably change. 
Yeah, and that's why I've been kind of hesitant on all the Dolphins guys. You know, Gusecki and Williams go really cheaply, so it's hard to yeah. really push back because they go so cheap. But, I mean, like I said, the, the Fitzpatrick war rig is a proven fantasy commodity. And when you have a type of receiver like, you know, uh, Devontae Parker is and where he won, like, is Tua going to jam a target when Tredavious White's all over him like Ryan Fitzpatrick was? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why he struggled with a guy like Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, I think Tua is more of a, a finesse, you know, rhythm passer. And you know that might not transition. You know, I think two is a better quarterback than Fitzpatrick is, which seems weird to say. Like it would be an ultimate negative, but like the style that Fitzpatrick plays with has just been hyper aggressive and proven to benefit his receivers. I'm curious if you believe that now. You know, Mike Evans getting away from that. How I haven't heard you mention anything about Mike Evans this year, and you know, a lot of people are kind of going back and forth uh, with the Tom Brady. You know, I don't. I mean, we know that like depth of target belongs more to the receiver. But is Brady going to give Mike Evans the chance to win as much as those other guys were? I think that Mike Evans is a decent enough receiver, like where he, like Brady helps his floor more than those other guys did. But I'm curious to your take on the Mike Evans because I haven't heard think I've heard you talk about him yet. Yeah, no, I mean I haven't really been drafting either of these Bucks guys in fantasy just because I think they go in such a range where I'm not really looking mm-hmm. at wide receiver. Um, but I think they're both fine theoretical fits with Brady. Obviously Godwin, I think is, is perfect when you come to like those intermediate targets, if he does still continue to work out of the slot. Great. And I mean, Godwin's just, you know, he's a, he's a beast, but I, I think when you, (laughs) when you look at Mike Evans, though, people act as if he is like a Devante Parker or a Preston Williams type of separator, you know, these guys that just really don't get open. And obviously Evans best part of his game is he's a contested catch receiver, but it's not as if Evans is you know, just he can't get open at all. Last year, he checked in with a 70.3% success rate versus man coverage and reception perception. That's the third time in his career he's cleared the 69th percentile. So again, not like league worst numbers, pretty, he's a Mm -hmm. solid separator. And then when you do have that contested catch advantage, I think that's actually going to help Tom Brady a lot because Brady's not as accurate as he used to be, especially when he's under pressure. He's got terrible numbers when he's under pressure in terms of his accuracy. And that is going to be a theme in Tampa Bay this year. That's my biggest question with them is can they pass protect? So I've I've been okay with Mike Evans so far. I think that's kind of my, my general thoughts of it. But, Rich, I love that you mentioned Anthony Miller. I love that you mentioned Mike Williams. Those are two guys uh, that I'm drafting a ton of late. But let's just – before we get out of here, let's get your parting thoughts on the wide receiver position this year. If you had to kind of break down your draft plan for receivers to listeners in one sentence, you know, what is it? Is it don't chase last year's numbers? Uh, you can get a good starting wide receiver – in the double digit rounds, the real sleepers were the friends we made along the way. Have at it here. Yeah, simply kind of what we let in. I mean, target the wide receivers that are getting the targets that matter. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really it. I mean, focus on the guys that are used in the capacity you want them to score fantasy points. You know, that's, the, that's really simple because, you know, we, the, the overall volume is going to oscillate between in fantasy it's not always going to stay sticky so i mean target the receivers that you believe win in the ways that you want your guys to score fantasy points you might be a guy that wants you know robert woods i'm not, not even saying the shade that but so make sure you're targeting the guys that get the types of targets that you want and you believe are valuable for fantasy football hell yeah i love it rich thank you so much <laughs> for joining me uh you can find him on twitter at lord reeves uh, one of the best twitter handles of all time too bad it's not roto reeves anymore that was probably <laughs> that was the king of twitter handles and make sure you listen to him on the pre-snap motion podcast with our guy chad scott one of the best duos in the podcast game and speaking of podcasts we've got a lot of those at yahoo sports you can come back for some fantasy baseball action with scott pianowski the yahoo sports nfl podcast with charles robinson and therese paler and in the meantime Rich, thank you so much for coming on here with me. 
yeah, everyone stay safe, mask up, and then, uh, you know, hopefully we're here in four weeks, you know, ready to kick off the season on Thursday night. Fingers crossed. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Tomorrow, Dalton Del Don will be joined by the one, only, my good friend, Marcus Grant from NFL.com to talk about the tight end position. Until then, we're out. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.